0: Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'leef podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Innal hamda lillahi nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nastehdihi na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min a'malina. Man yahdihi Allahu fala mudilla lahu wa man fala hadiya la wa ashhadu an ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika la wa ashhadu anna abduhu or rasuluhu thumma amma ba'du assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah it is um a great honor and a great privilege uh, to be in your company this evening um we've arrived to a place in this book where Imam Ghazali, the book's compiler or author, is actually citing another scholar who said that he learned from his teacher eight principal lessons. And we are now on the fourth of the eight lessons, right? So I want to dive straight in, inshallah. Bismillah. <laughs> he begins, Al-fa'idat <laughs> The fourth lesson, He said, the fourth lesson is that I noticed that some people think that their dignity and their strength is in belonging to populous nations and tribes, and they thus take pride in them. You know, mashallah, you know, right away, when reading that, it made me reflect on something that I think is a commonality that all people share. Everybody wants to be honorable. Everybody wants to possess dignity. You know, in the Quran, Allah says, karamna beni Adam. Truly we have honored all of the children of Adam that everybody <clears throat> possesses an inherent human dignity. And that our goal as Muslims should be to treat people according to the dignity they possess. To treat all people with respect. And this is irrespective of their creeds, commitments, lifestyles, ethnicities, races, that all people share in that original human dignity because they were created by Allah, right? Every human being that you see is a special, honored, dignified creation of God and thus is worthy of respect. It makes no difference if they are rich or they are poor. It makes no difference even if they are righteous or they are unrighteous. The fact of the matter is that they have been honored in being human. Now in addition to that inherent dignity that we possess, we all want to be treated as um, I would say objects of respect or consequence or honor. You know, they asked Ibn Hazm, who was a great Spanish, a great Andalusian scholar of Islam, and they said, What is it that makes a person seek knowledge? Why does a person want to learn? He said, The thing that pushes a person to seek knowledge is that they don't want to be treated as a thing of no consequence. They don't want to be disrespected. They don't want to be disregarded. Now here, the author is saying, he noticed that most people take great pride in belonging to tribes, belonging to nations of strength. Now, we are not a tribal people as Americans. But there are certain stand-ins for tribe, like um, institutional affiliation. You see, when a person has graduated from a prestigious college or a prestigious university, the University of Chicago, they want that to be known to other people, not in a pretentious way, but they want to. it suggests something about their work ethic or something about their intelligence or something about their network. And they want that to be known to other people. You know, so a person says with great pride, somebody says, where did you, where did you do your undergrad? They be Northwestern. You see, you can almost see a twinkle in their eye when they say it where did you hey where, where did you do your grad studies i'm talking about my wife now the university of michigan it's a little twinkle in the eye you know because there's great pride in association you know funny story when i'm talking about association when i first embraced islam there were a number of concepts that were very difficult for me to accept. One of them was the sharaf or the nobility of Ahlul Bayt, the family of the Prophet Muhammad SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right, I'm African American and I've experienced racial oppression. I've experienced a very vicious ethnocentricity that centered white Americans and the notion of any biological superiority of one person to another, it was just like an anathema to me. I'm not with that, I'm I'm African American, I don't like this. And I was sitting with one of my teachers and he said to me, think about it this way. If you have a physicist from MIT and you have a physicist from Illinois State University, both of them must demonstrate their merit on the, base, on the basis of their work. She has to demonstrate her merit on the basis of her work, and she has to demonstrate her merit on the basis of her work. But you have to admit, the physicist from MIT has a stronger nisba. They have a stronger affiliation, meaning her affiliation is to MIT, and her affiliation is to Illinois State University, which my mother went to Illinois State University. You got a problem with that? It's a good school, inshallah. But the the affiliation with MIT is a stronger affiliation. He said the people from the family of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they have the strongest affiliation because their affiliation is to him, but they still must justify that nobility on the basis of their own conduct. We are Muslims and in that way, our creed is merit-centered. It's egalitarian. Everybody is equal and you, yes, you can have a superior affiliation, but this is the community that has passed on. What have you done? Here, the author is saying, I notice people take great pride in their affiliations, right? When a person spends, a great deal of money to move into a certain neighborhood. This is another substitute for tribe in the modern age, right, your neighborhood. You know, people, where do you live? They say with pride, Winnetka, right? Kenilworth, where do you live, right? They beam when they, because it suggests that I'm associated with high achieving people. I'm associated with wealthy people, powerful people. He continues. They seek honor through their affiliation with these people. This is their izza. I'm so-and-so. I'm connected to so-and-so. My family, they've done so-and-so. Some of us, the Muslims, we've done so-and-so. One thing I really dislike within our community, all of this historical triumphalism. We've done this and we've done that. Okay, but what are you? The Muslims created the astrolabe and we created geometry and we created algebra and we created the modern suspension bridge and we... But what have you done? I've said their names very loudly. And that somehow confers honor and dignity onto me. No. They seek honor through these people. And others, they sought dignity and they sought honor. Through accumulating money Their honor is in their money And you know um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Says in the Quran In Surah Al-Kahf That wealth and children Are the beautification of this world Some of us they say that this ayah is an indisputable fact that if you ask most people what is it that you take pride in, they will inevitably mention their wealth and their children. Right? This is this is what they take pride in: my wealth and my children. You know, it reminds me of the possessors of the two gardens in to the Kahf, right? He said, وَهُوَ who are you مِنْكَ He just said to his neighbor, أَنَا أَكْثَرُ I have more money than you. And in one translation, I have more children than you, right? The deep part about the ayah is Allah says, وَهُوَ يُحَاوِرُهُ It was just something that was said in the course of their conversing, it wasn't like this was the point of the conversation. This was just something he wanted his neighbor to know I have more money than you. And I remember listening to one lecture about Surah Al Kahf, and the lecturer said, How many ways do we try to convey to people that we have more money than them? Maybe it's talking about where we vacation. Maybe it's talking about where we live. Maybe it's talking about what we drive. Maybe it's talking about what we do. Maybe it's talking about the restaurants that we enjoy dining at. We want people to know, hey, this is what I have. Especially if we think we have more than them. Why are we doing that? It's because we seek dignity. We seek honor through this other person realizing this is a person of high achievement. This is a person of enviable status, etc., etc. And all of it is empty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Rivalry and boasting about wealth and possessions This distracts people until they reach the grave. This is a distraction to people. And you have people that spend their entire lives in these vain pursuits, competing with people, trying to keep up with people. He just got a new car. I have to get a new car. Their house is 6,000 square feet. I need a new home. She has more jewelry than me. He has, uh, he, they just bought a vacation home. We have to have a vacation home. Right? Alhaakumut Right? He continues. Wa And having a lot of children. And they boast about these Right And some people think That honor and dignity Is being able to take things from other people And being able to oppress other people Right The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said that oppression will be darkness on the day of judgment. That for some people, and I want you to really contemplate the implication of this statement, that for some people, it's not about what they have. It's not even about the children that will, you know, continue their legacy. It's about being able to dominate other people. This is what makes them feel good, right? I remember listening to Imam Zaid Zaid, He was saying that every person that is engaged in some self-serving other obliterating ideology is usually a deeply insecure person, right? this self-serving other obliterating tendency that for some people, it's all about augmenting their power and they see the means of augmenting their power through what? Limiting what somebody else can do, limiting what someone else has, oppressing someone else. Some people see that if another person gains they have inherently lost something. That their promotion is my inherent demotion. Um, one of the most powerful um, interpretations of the ayat of shaitan and Adam is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when God the glorified and the exalted said to the angels, prostrate to Adam. Satan said what? Ana khayrul I'm better than him. You created me from fire and you created him from mud. But many scholars, among them, Ibn Ta'ilah, they said, this was only the pretext. What was really happening there was that shaitan felt like, if Adam is being honored, what will that mean for me? If he's being elevated, what will that mean for me? And this is what led to Satan's attack on the children of Adam. So people that seek their honor through the subjugation of others, the oppression of others, they're usually deeply insecure people. But for some people, this is where they seek honor, right? I don't want to polarize this space, but I've seen it with my own eyes. Muslim men, insecure, in some cases powerless, and they seek a feeling of honor through being able to dominate women. It's clear they have an obsession with this, as if this is going to restore for them some dignity. Oh, you're still powerless. Now you're just a powerless dhalim. You're just a powerless oppressor, right? He said, some people, this is, you know, and he said, taking things from people. Gasp in Arabic is a very strong word. That some people, it's the ability to take things from other people. This is what makes them feel honor. I took that from him. I took that from her, right? You know, um, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He said in an authentic hadith Al-Muslimu Man salima al-Muslimuna Min lisanihi wa yadi Qala al-Nabi alayhi salla wa sallam That the true Muslim Is the one from whom Other Muslims are safe From their tongue and their hand that our ardent desire should be to meet God in a state where we haven't wronged anybody in the slightest. When I meet God, I don't want anyone to say, obey the law, he harmed me with his tongue. He said something extremely vile to me and it hurt my feelings. I don't want anyone to say, he accosted me, he assaulted me, he hurt me. I I don't want anyone to say that. We want to be true Muslims. He also said, The true mu'min, the true believer, is the one from whom people are safe from their bad conduct. Right? You know, one friend of mine putting this hadith into a contemporary idiom, he said, you want to know what kind of Islam you're practicing? Just ask yourself this. If you died today, would your neighbors attend your funeral? If you died today, would your neighbors miss any good that you brought to their lives? Would they say, oh my God, he passed? You know, I remember sometimes if he was cutting his lawn, he would cut mine. I remember sometimes, you know, if he was power washing his house, man, he would do mine just just because. I remember sometimes if his family was doing something and they were celebrating their religious holiday, they would bring me some sweets. I didn't know anything about Islam, but I love chocolate chip cookies. Right, what would they, or would they say, oh, good riddance. I thought he never would die. Now we can finally get some sleep around here. Muslims coming all times a day, calling the that. I mean, he has two people to live with him. He calls the prayer so people can hear him downtown. All right. What, what, what would they say about you? All right. This is Islam. He continues. He continues. Wow. And some people even seek honor through violence. This was a book written, written in the medieval period That some people even seek honor Through being able to, perpetrate, to, to perpetuate Acts of violence against other people This is what makes them feel strong He says أنه في المال Wow. He says, and there's another group of people that they believe that honor and dignity is found in being able to spend money extravagantly. Right? Being able to waste money extravagantly. This is what gives a person honor. You know, when they can talk about ah, uh, you know, just a night on the town, we might spend five, six thousand dollars. So, this is what we, you know, this is what we spend just to enjoy ourselves. Right, subhanAllah, tabdeerul maal, just boasting about extravagance. You know, subhanAllah, the Arabs in the time of the Prophet wasallam. this was... Um, wow, Rasulullah. this was a major cultural practice for them. Even if somebody was poor, if they had guessed, the cultural expectation was that they would spare no expense in entertaining their guests, that you would spend everything, but it wasn't for the sake of God it was for the sake of reputation. It was just to uh, show people how much money you had, how lavishly you could afford to spend. You know, SubhanAllah, deep story of correction, and I don't mind telling the story. I spent five years living in Egypt and it was um, very shortly after Right, I lived in Yemen for some time and then after I returned from Yemen, I moved to Egypt because I was studying Islam and I never had an opportunity to establish any credit. And I naively assumed that I would just come back to Chicago and just get an apartment, you know. You know, so when I married Najashi and Makita's mom, I was actually still sleeping on my mother's couch. But I told her, she said, so what are you gonna do? We'll go out and get an apartment. <laughs> and I went and I would put in applications and every person would tell me, we ran your credit and we really couldn't find any credit. So we, we wouldn't be comfortable leasing to you. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I pay my bills, man. You, you can ask, I'm gonna call it in Egypt. Just call them and just ask <laughs> You know, I used to rent from him, I would pay every month, there's no problem. Sorry, sir, it's just the policy of the management company. So there was a brother named Ahmed Azab and his wife, Sara Orabi, very good people. He had a home, but the basement unit had an in-unit kitchen and he let me live with him. That was, and I found that at like the last minute, you know, my wife was beginning to look at me like, We were at my mom's place for like a week in a studio apartment. And she was looking at me like, obey the law. What are you gonna do now? Now I'm pretending to be cool and collective, you know. Oh, you know, I'm gonna work something out, don't worry about it. So I'm living with, I'm I mean, I'm paying rent, but I'm living in this basement unit. And as soon as we got there, my wife started putting together invitations for housewarming parties and started inviting a lot of our friends over. And I said to her, no, I don't, I don't want anybody to see me living in a basement unit. You know, to get to our place, we had to go through their garage. So somebody said, look, I'm at the door. Yeah, come around to the back. It was like going into a compound, you know what I'm saying? And I remember being very embarrassed And my wife, she said to me, hafidhu Allah, may Allah preserve her. She said, no, 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 no. Hosting is an expression of generosity. And whatever you have, even if it's meager, you share it with the people that you love. Then if Allah gives you more and you're inviting people to share or partake in what Allah has given you, they will know that you are sharing with integrity whereas if you wait until you have the mansion your hosting is not about generosity it's about self-aggrandizement come to my home to see what i have you see i don't really care about sharing what i have with you i want you to come see it right Yeah, yeah come through the garage so you can see my cars let me give you a tour of the place he said but no if you were interested in hosting people when you had very little, they will know. No, whether they were in the garden apartment or the 8,000 square foot mansion, they always wanted to open their home to the people they love. This is the way that you should be. And I accepted her correction. Babe, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And we, we had a great time. We hosted in that apartment and we did our best. People will be outside. At some point, it's just like, yo, just open the garage pad and tap in 7782, the garage door will open. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when the garage door open, we will be standing there. So that way they go, they come in. And because some people think that, you know what's honorable? To be able to show people how much you have, what you spend. There's no honor in that. There's only insecurity in that. Anyone who is secure in who they are, what they are, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Right? He continues, So I thought about it myself. He said, I thought about the verse of Allah. Truly the most ennobled of you in the sight of God are those that possess the greatest consciousness of God. Those who revere God the most. These are the most honorable people. It makes no difference if they're wealthy or they're impoverished. My point is, um, he thought, he looked at all of the ways that people seek honor. All of the, and you know, I just elucidated some, but there are others. And he said, I thought about this. The most ennobled of you in God's sight are those that possess the greatest consciousness of Him. You know, if you look at this verse, subhanAllah, this verse is supposed to humble all of us. God begins ya ayyuhannas, important point here. There are verses in the Quran that begin ya ayyuhallathina aminu, O you who believe. When you come to a verse in the Quran that begins ya ayyuhallathina aminu, O you who believe. It kind of means that if you don't have faith in God, you might not benefit from what comes after that. That when you come to a verse, ya يُهَا الَّذِينَ O you who believe, if you don't have faith, then the verse won't really resonate with you. You might even hear the verse and say like, أَمَا what, أَرَضُ what does, what does this mean? But then you have verses in the Qur'an, O humanity, O women and men. These verses are almost always relevant to all people, Muslim, non-Muslim. If you are human, what comes in this verse concerns you? A person of faith, a person that lacks faith, this concerns you. If somebody wants a good book idea, and I should do this myself, this would be a great like gift to our neighbors. Somebody should put together a tafsir of all of the verses in the Quran that begin, Ya Ayuhannes, O humanity. And just write an exhaustive explanation of those verses, O humanity. But here God says, Oh Ya Ayuhannes, Right away. Oh, humanity, we created you from a male and a female, saying that there is no cause, no legitimate cause, for men to arrogate themselves over women. Humanity was created from both a male and a female, right? A male and a female. This is our beginning. Some explanations of this ISA and within us, there are elements of both. And this is not like modern apologetics. This is pre-modern ancient Islam that yeah, Right away. And then we made you into nations and tribes that all of us have cultural affinities. We have ethnic specificities. We have national affinities. This is normal. And this ayah also suggests that it is a natural occurrence that we feel affinity with people with whom we share languages, people with whom we share history, people people with whom um, we share ancestry. It's normal for you to feel, you know, a heightened sense of identification with such individuals. Um, You know, uh, I was reading, what was I reading? I was reading Jonathan Heights, uh, his book called Righteous Mind. And he was talking about how in-group solidarity is a moral category for all human beings, right? Just in group solidarity. And that they did a test, somehow they were able to um, measure the way people responded to videos of other people being tortured, right? They were able to, 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 to measure, I don't know how they did this, right? But they were able to measure their responses. And they found that when the subject of the study had more in common with the person being tortured, they even felt that differently, right? This is the, you know, some Muslims get upset when it's like, once the war in uh, Ukraine um, broke out, we saw this torrent of protests, flags, and there was a great deal of support being expressed for Ukraine. And many of us said, no such support for Iranians? No such support for Iraqis? No such support for Syrians? No such, yeah, I mean, it feels like hypocrisy to us, but you have to understand, some Americans would naturally see more of themselves in Ukrainians than they would in Syrians. That's, that's actually quite a normal, you know, that, that's quite a normal thing. But then God says, lead to these cultural differences these cultural differences should not be a source of anyone thinking that they're better than anyone else or anyone seeking to dominate anyone else Lita to it is only for us to have mutual curiosity about each other and we should be seeking to know each other Right? SubhanAllah. You know, I've told this story many times, but of all the things that happened to me while I was in Egypt, my favorite story was, I was trying to get a haircut. Some of you I know have heard this story, but be patient and bear with me. I was trying to get a haircut. And I walked into the barber shop and I'm looking at the barber. Now, you're probably looking at me and you're thinking that the degree of difficulty for my haircut is very low. Anybody can do this haircut, but no. I'm still very particular about the way it's done. And mostly I'm particular about how hygienic the barber is in changing the blade, disinfecting the blade, wiping. This is pre-COVID, but if the barber's practice is not very hygienic, you end up with razor bumps, you can get a bacterial infection, it can get really, really crazy. So I'm watching this guy, I'm observing him, I'm checking him out, and he's good, right? He's cleaning his blades, he's you know, disinfecting the clippers, he's changing the blades of the razor, and right? So then I started thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to pretend like I'm from Southern Egypt, I'm from Saeed Masr, Luxor, Aswan, because if he knows I'm American, the price is going to double, right? I don't even think Egyptians regard it as cheating. I think they regard it as like an unofficial tax. It's like, if you got it like that, we can take it like that. You know what I'm saying? So I tried my best, and I can like get around in colloquial Egyptian Arabic, but at some point classical Arabic just dominates my, my style. So after about five minutes into conversing with him, he just said to me, "Enterman Fein, where are you from, and I was like, oh, it's over, so at that point I just said to him in completely classical Arabic, guess, guess where I'm from. He said, oh, I know where you're from. I said, where? He said, Senegal. And he was very proud of the answer that he gave. He said, Senegal. And I said, "La," And the Mishmin Senegal, yeah, I'm a sheikh. I'm not from Senegal. He said, where are you from? I said, gharb, gharb, right? You have to, Abad, right? Yeah, further west, further west. He said, There's something west of Senegal? I said, And I'm in America. I'm from America. He said, "America Chikabika, which is actually a reference to an Egyptian popular movie. And then he said, He said, if you're from America, I have a very important question for you. And wallahi, I was afraid. I'm like, is he going to ask me something about the war in Iraq or Israel and Palestine or some other aspect of American foreign policy? Or he said, Obama. Muslim or Obama. Is he Muslim or not? And I said, Obama, I said, Obama is a Christian man. He said, Well, I can Hussein, but his name is Hussein. Hussein. He said, There's no such thing as a Christian with the name Hussein. Right. And I'm like, oh, you really not ready for African Americans, man? We got non-Muslim Jabaris, Mustafa's, Jamals, Maliks, right? I said, he said, how did he get the name Hussein? I said, his father was born into a Muslim family in Kenya, but even his father, after some time at university, Abuhu in the time of his study, Ospahat Shu. Barack Obama's father became a communist, Mulhidan and he became an atheist. And he looked at me and he said, إيش ملحد؟ Atheist." That's what he said. What is an atheist? And I found it shocking that he had never in his entire life heard the term atheist he had never heard that term and when i explained to him in classical Arabic what an atheist was he was absolutely incredulous his mouth was open like he said are there really people like that that don't believe in anything this pure materialism i was like yeah And what, like, really bugged me out was that his mind could not get past the social aspects of religion. He was like, so what do they do when a baby is born? Like, he couldn't imagine a child being born without rituals that were associated with childbirth. Then he said, how do they get married? Like, (laughs) How can you get married, right? Which was a deep thing like, what is the basis of your commitment to this other person if it's not under God? Like, why, like, why would you get married to somebody if you're not pledging your commitment to that person under God? What, like, why would you do that? Then he said to me, what holidays do they celebrate? How can you have a holy day if you don't have a religion? Like he, like, he was really, he couldn't. And when I was explaining to him, I said, yeah, there are lots of people like that. You know, atheism is a growing trend uh, in America. So it's been maybe the dominant um, uh, belief system of folks in Western Europe, in, you know, uh, Asia. He was like, SubhanAllah, Rabbi Ahsan al-Khaliqeen. He said, glory be to God. My Lord is the best of creators. And I was like, wow. He said, glory be to God. My Lord is the best of creators. And I thought to myself, wow, that was a really strange pivot. And I said, what caused you to say that? What caused you to say that? He said, if Allah can create, sustain, show mercy to people that don't even believe he exists, my Lord must be all he must be magnificent. And I thought to myself, subhanAllah, he encountered in that conversation a radically different other that he had nothing in his frame of reference for. He had no analog for an atheist. And without seeking to... We have to find them, we have to convert them to Islam, or, uh, you know, these people are despicable, or it actually deepened his belief in his his creator. And I thought to myself, if only we had the ability to encounter other with that kind of broad-mindedness, we would be better for it. And this was just an Egyptian man in the street This wasn't a sophisticated man. This wasn't even a learned man. This wasn't an educated man. But subhanAllah, he was like, man, right? He sought a way of integrating atheism into his belief system. And he did so in a way that he wasn't endangered. He wasn't insecure. He was just like, subhanAllah, glory be to God. Allah even creates people like that. Right, subhanallah, subhanAllah. And I thought, man, if we had more of that in America, we would be better for it. He continues. So now the only thing I take pride in, it's not wealth, it's not lineage, it's not institutional affiliation. It's not being able to dominate other people. It's not being able to subjugate people. It's not being able to spend money extravagantly. The only thing that I take pride in is God consciousness. And it is my belief that the Quran is truth and it's telling the truth. And the people that associated their honor, their pride, their dignity, with all of those other things, all of their configuration, all of their, يعني اعتقادهم وحسبانهم all of their um, delusional thoughts about what confers honor unto people is false and fleeting. Zail. Baatilun wa zailun. The first way he describes all of those other ways of seeking dignity, they're baatil. <inaudible> they won't even give you the dignity that you're seeking. If you seek honor, if you seek um, dignity, if you seek to be highly regarded, if you seek esteem through any other means, those means will not actually confer unto you the dignity that you're seeking. It really, you know it's it's almost like um, subhanallah. you know it's 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 like, have you ever seen those shows where a person wants to confront the person that used to tease them in high school? Have you ever seen that? That used to be a much more popular thing when I was growing up. Like this person used to tease me in high school and now I wanna confront them and I wanna show them how fabulous I am and how uh, wealthy I've become. And the thing that would always impress itself upon me is that if you've become so wealthy, if you've become so fabulous, why do you need this person that used to tease you in high school to see you? What have you actually become? If you've become, if, 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 if now you're so sculpted and chiseled and they used to make fun of my weight and now look at me, but you're still not actually liberated. You're still in in, in this, you have this very crass need of this person's approval. And that is the kind of bottom line of seeking honor and esteem through every other means besides God. You still have a need to be seen by these people as rich. Like in a sense, they are over you, you're still not free. You want them to know, hey, look at me. Right? You can't wait to pay for the dinner and pull out the platinum card. That person, no, no, sorry, I was just kidding. So i was just kidding. I'm just kidding. That person, for whom you're doing all of that, that person still owns the key to you feeling honored to you feeling as though you have esteem. So do you really have any? What if they look at you and laugh? This is what I always thought when I watched those shows. What if you've dragged this person onto a talk show to show them, look at how attractive I am now? What if they look at you and say, you're still unattractive to me? Would you feel what? Like, Like you don't enjoy esteem? Why would you give them that in the first place? What if you fight, and I know people this happened to, but what if you fight to gain access to this very exclusive neighborhood? And then as you're coming out, your neighbors that you have fought to live near, they don't even speak to you. (laughs) What if they move? The North Shore just isn't what it used to be. Look at my neighbor. He's brown. I'm out of here. I'm moving to Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, what would you feel then? You were seeking honor through your association with them, and they still don't respect you. SubhanAllah. You know, man, this is, this is I mean, for, for some of us, this is theoretical. And for some of us, this is real. You know, for African-Americans, this is something very real right? A person can seek honor through education, through their facility with language. And the minute you commit one grammatical mistake in speech, people will say, I'm telling you, he only got in because of affirmative action. You're doing all of this, trying to gain respect, honor from these people. And at the end, they still may not respect you. La ilaha illallah. But if you seek honor through your relationship with God and everything else is incidental, live where you want, work in the field that you aspire to work in, be, you know, have the associations that you want, but none of these are where my, my, my self-worth is ultimately derived. It's not derived from my neighborhood. It's not derived from my money. It's not derived from my professional status. It's not derived from any of that, right? You will actually find, and this is the the weird thing. The people in those places will actually respect you more because you appear completely liberated. You don't need their approval. If you think I'm great or you don't think I'm great, alhamdulillah, I'm thankful for all that God has given me. So the point of the lesson is don't seek honor through anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. wa li lisa'il muslimin wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah rabb. بسم الله Rahim إن لا رب Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'lifcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.